0: Healthcare today, it needs to be accessible and seamless for healthcare workers and consumers. Not just in CBDs, but in rural and remote areas, hospitals, GP clinics, allied health settings, aged care, disability, the list goes on. COVID has elevated the importance of all of this and helped push it along, but it's still fragmented and challenging. The Australasian Institute of Digital Health is here in the thick of it, in this evolving landscape as an independent voice positioned to harness the knowledge and success of experts in digital health and health informatics to drive this opportunity for change in this shifting policy landscape. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Louise Shaper, the CEO of the Australasian Institute of Digital Health. And in this episode, we talk about the importance of building digital health capability in the workforce what to expect at the upcoming Digital Health Summit in Sydney. We talk about MedInfo23 in Sydney and how digital health is shifting the dial for healthcare in Australia. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen.
1: Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch.
0: With me today is Dr Louise Shaper. CEO of the Australasian Institute of Digital Health, the peak body for digital health in our region, representing a united and influential single voice for health informatics and digital health leaders and practitioners. Hey, Louise, how are you?
1: I am fantastic, Peter. How's things for you at your end in Sydney?
0: Super duper. Look, it's been so long since we've spoken on the podcast. We've spoken on panels and at events and rushed past each other and said, hey, hi, I will chat later. So I'm pumped just to be able to have a dedicated time to have a chat with you. So thanks so much for making the time. Oh, fantastic to be
1: here. I love being on your show. I think I was on episode 26. It's been a while.
0: You were in those first 20, 30 episodes when I wasn't even sure where this show was going. So it was great to be able to chat then. And back then it wasn't even the AIDH. We're going to learn more about, for those that don't know the AIDH and what it's all about, we're going to touch on that soon. But Back then, it wasn't even AIDH. It wasn't. 2019. Tell us about what was then and to where we are now.
1: I know, things have happened in the last few years. The Institute of Digital Health, we're like Australia's peak body for digital health. We have, you know, a really broad community of clinicians, healthcare executives, innovators, researchers, and obviously health informaticians and people who specialise in digital health. A lot of clinicians, there seems to be an allied health takeover, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. But anyway, so we've been around for ages. This organisation was formed back in the early 90s and it was called the Health Informatics Society of Australia. But back when you and I spoke last time, Peter, and for those of you who haven't listened to that episode yet, we're in the midst of a potential merger. Heiser was looking to merge with the College of Health Informatics. Constitutionally, you have to ask members, you know, and get members to vote on whether they think that's a good idea or not. And it was at the very end of 2019, I can't remember the exact date. I think it's early December that the members of the College and of Heiser actually agreed to merge the organization and so I think it was the 26th of February, something like that, early February 2020. And we worked crazy over Christmas and had put this merger together. We obviously changed our name to the Australasian Institute of Digital Health. You know, a new strategy, new members at the board, all very exciting. So we launched a new organisation. We had a party in the office. We even danced at the office. It was all good fun. <laughs> Anyway, no social distancing because no one even knew that was a thing. And three weeks after we launched the Institute, I sent all my staff home for effectively two years. (laughs) A lot has changed since we became the Institute.
0: Yeah. Look, you know, all of those thoughts about what's going to happen, all of us planning in 2019 about what 2020 onwards, all those plans went out the window. So, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the team. How big is the team? What does that look like? Because, you know, everyone would see the AIDH online or at events, but who's the team working behind it?
1: Yeah, no, it's great. And there's an amazing group of people. So we had to completely pivot our entire business to survive the pandemic. But I'm so pleased to say that we didn't just survive it, we've thrived. And so we've actually been growing. So we've now got about 20 staff, give or take. A lot of you would have met, yeah, as you said, Peter, people uh, uh, for who work here. So, we're governed by a board. The board is chaired by Bettina McMahon, who is the CEO of Health Direct in her day job. So, we have a board, I'm the CEO, and then we work as you'd expect a normal company to work. So, I have direct reports, and my direct reports have direct reports to them. And what we effectively do is our work is spread across three large areas, but it all is about connection and community and career development. So we have a, a whole team are dedicated to building workforce capability to so have a workforce arm of the business. And then we have a leadership and advocacy, sort of a policy division of the business And then we have the community aspect of the company, which is about the events that we run, membership, fellowship, and those things are all growing, which is fantastic to see.
0: In terms of the model and how that's scaled out, it's such a great example of building a thriving community within this industry of digital health and something that's well regarded by professionals, but everyone at different stage in different areas too. And I love that You know, each state has their own kind of identity and being proud of their particular area and the quarterly meetups. And, you know, I'm being a member, regularly attending the New South Wales ones as well. So
1: And congratulations. I believe you were recently elected to the New South Wales brand.
0: Yes. So get to participate, wow. you know, with other team members there too, to be able to shape what those look like. So very active. in it, you know, and for, for people who are listening, because we'll get into more about, you know, some of the, particularly with the summit coming up and, and all these other bits and pieces too. But for people thinking, well, is this for me? you mentioned the health informatics side and that's obviously well represented within the the membership but it's much more than health informatics these days as well too right
1: yeah it is that, yeah that's true so it was founded as as i said as, the, as a society for people who are specialised in health informatics If you've never heard of that term, don't worry, you're not alone out there in podcast land. (laughs) I've been doing this job for years and my parents still have no idea what it means. Um, But that's okay. Hopefully you guys will be better than my mum and dad. You know, health informatics is basically the science behind digital health. So it's an academic discipline that dates back to like the 1960s, I think. And there's probably some of your listeners who want to correct me on that and say it was even earlier. (laughs) It's a really long established field because, you know, if you think about even when this organisation was founded in the early 1990s, like there was no such thing as personal computers, not really, unless you were a complete geek. And even then it was, you know, DOS-based systems and all that sort of stuff. And we love geeks. It's a very geek welcoming sure. community. <laughs> <laughs> all types of welcome here. Of course, in the last twenty years, we've seen an explosion in the application of what we now refer to as digital health across the healthcare sector. And in the last three years, it's loaded significantly. And even talking health tech's success is testament to some of that growth in the sector. So, yeah, so it is really broad. And so, people effectively like if you join a member organisation, it's usually because you either work in the space in some shape or form, or you're interested in learning more and you want to get involved that certainly I when I joined I just started a PhD I knew nobody that cared about this thing called health informatics (laughs) because digital health didn't exist as a term then and I found this organization and I still remember how excited I was because I felt very isolated and didn't sort of realize how much until I found this organization and joined and I realized oh my god like I found my tribe You know, there are other people who care about the same things I care about, which is improving healthcare and healthcare outcomes, but doing so through digitally enabled means. And so it's a very eclectic group. It's a very diverse church that we have here.
0: If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus. And so then thinking about that what's been we've talked a lot about that tumultuous time through COVID and rethinking how the business operates to survive or how the membership survives through that period. And you mentioned it's grown over that time too, but in terms of some of the key outputs or the things that have happened over the last couple of years, particularly from the Institute, or maybe even broadly across digital health, talk to me about uh, the whole last couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would say the thing that really has struck me and not just for the Institute, but as you said, across the whole sector there's certain people, myself included, who've been banging on about this stuff for a really long time, and so have you, Peter. And what the pandemic changed for healthcare was a very broad acceptance, or a broad awareness first, and then you know leading to acceptance that we can deliver healthcare differently, and in some instances, we should deliver healthcare differently. As long as we you know, keep in mind, it's always about the patient or about the consumer and about having a good quality experience and high quality of healthcare outcomes. Because of the expansion in people's awareness and acceptance, and then also the amount of projects and things that are happening, and telehealth is obviously one, but it's only one of many, there's this, this growing need to build capacity in the workforce and capability in the workforce around digital health. So that's where we have seen across the sector and certainly our, back in the heart of the pandemic, if you said, who runs your workforce team? Because we did have it in the strategy, but to be honest, there was me and one person who ran our certification program. And now I have a team of about, I think it's four or five people in the workforce division now, and I no longer run it, which is excellent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's much better to have other people do these things. We see the workforce stuff, they're sort of the two components. So there's the people who want to or are specialising in digital health and health informatics. And so we have programs to help people on that journey and to support and give them recognition. But then there's, of course, everybody else. And this is where the huge expansion has really come from. I could be an innovator, a clinician, I'm the IT help desk guy. You know, what do I need to know about digital health? Not necessarily to specialize in the field. I'm a nurse, you know, what do I need to know about digital health to be the very best nurse I can be in 2022? And that's where we've seen this massive expansion of interest. And it's broad, it's in the education sector as well as across healthcare, which is just fantastic to see.
0: And when you talk about that, is that Chia specifically? So the accreditation in health informatics?
1: There's a few, yeah. So yes, again, Peter Birch, uh, he is a qualified cheer, <laughs> which um, if you've never heard of that before, Certified Health Informatician, Australasia is what it stands for. Peter successfully passed his certification exam and it's just well done. So did I. And, and so has close to, I think, almost 2,000 people wow. now. So we actually have people internationally to do it. But people who want, you get letters after your name, so you have to study really hard. I don't have met anybody who said it was a walk in the park. Allocate some time, but you get 90 days uh, to sit the exam, and there's reading materials to help you through that. And if you pass the exam, you get to be a certified health informatician. And that gets you the CHIA letters after your name as post-nominals. So that has been a really successful program, so much so that it hasn't happened yet, but I am having, I'm increasingly spending my evenings talking to people from other countries who are interested in expanding certification into a globally recognised program. More to come on that. The interest in that is huge. We've also been in the process of developing a clinical informatics fellowship. So that will be exclusively for the clinicians or people who are clinically trained. But that, again, puts them through on a pathway where they can be jointly recognised by their clinical home. So whether you're a nurse, an occupational therapist, general practitioner, a surgeon, whatever it is, we find too many clinicians, and a lot of them I think listen to Talking Health Tech, too many clinicians who are really interested in digital health feel really torn and they reach a a point in their career where they feel like they have to choose to either specialize in informatics and digital health and sort of walk away from their clinical home or keep digital health as a hobby, which is ridiculous. This program, which getting built this year, so there's lots of opportunities for your listeners to participate in those consultations because we want to build something that is really valuable to as many people as possible. But the main thing is, is we really would like the program to be endorsed by the clinical colleges, so that people no longer feel torn. They can be an endocrinologist or an anesthetist, but they can also be a digital health and informatics specialist. So that's one of the other programs we're building, and we have a lot more. But. I can talk about this for hours, Peter, and no one wants to hear me talk about workforce for three hours. <laughs>
0: well, you never know. I mean, they're listening to this podcast, so they probably do. But the, and what I like about, you know, the education offerings and Chia specifically, it's something that supports not just those that are going through it, but you think within, and I think a long time ago in my own, Setting where I'm managing staff, whether they're administrative or clinical in nature. And you need to support your staff in this ever changing world. And one area, as you say, that a lot of people require some assistance with, it's not just what demographic you're from, but just generally the nature of work that we're in, is that those working in healthcare. Need to be more and more digitally inclined, having an understanding of technology and the role that it plays within healthcare is really important so from a healthcare executive 's point of view or someone running a health facility, even a clinic, you know having the option to be able to plug them into the AIDh and cheer and everything else going on is. A, a nice avenue to go down. So definitely worth checking out.
1: Yeah, and we're certainly seeing that as well. Like more and more employers are actually paying for people to go through these programs with us. And it's actually really good for the people as well because they get to do it as a group. If anyone's out there and thinks, oh, I want to learn more, you know, just contact the Institute and we can give you stuff to convince your boss that it's a good idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, nice. You know, speaking of things to convince your boss about, on the 17th and 18th of October is the Digital Health Summit. This looks like a big one. Tell me about it. What's planned? It
1: is. It wasn't planning on being so big. It has turned out (laughs) that way. They never
0: are. They never are. And then all of a sudden, you know.
1: I know. It's just, you know, I think people are just so keen on getting together in person again and wanting to speak at conferences because, you know, we used to run a national conference every year and then, you know, that all changed to virtual so um, Sydney, uh, 17th and 18th of October at the Convention Centre, and the wonderful Peter Birch will be in residence there as well. So come and chat with Peter or myself, but um, yeah, we've got a really big conference over the two days. So we've got the New South Wales Health Minister, I know, we've got the government people sort of opening the event. What we've done is we've structured the program for the two days around what we're calling shifting the dial, which is our advocacy and policy strategies. So firstly, we're starting to talk at the conference around the changing business models of healthcare. So there's people talking and giving panel presentations around the business models of health and care that need to change. And I think, again, that has never been more prevalent than it has now. In the afternoon, we're going to be talking about workforce so um, you know, what are we doing about building workforce capability? And it's a fabulous program running in New South Wales. And to my knowledge, it's the only program anything like it in the world is actually about encouraging school students to pursue careers in digital health. So I look forward to learning more about that myself at the conference. We're also talking about building trust and confidence in the healthcare system and the role of digital in that building trust in our healthcare system and in our data and you know we've seen examples like in America with the Roe versus Wade decision and a lot of people a lot of women were using period tracking apps and and those things and unsubscribed to those services because they were concerned about government overreach so you know these are really pressing topics we'll be talking about and we'll be talking about misinformation and disinformation and what the healthcare sector's role is in combating that And we've also got a couple of tracks, which I'm really excited about because the bigness is not so much on the keynote stage. They're going to be great. Just literally looking at the program now, that's bigger than I thought. There are six concurrent sessions (laughs) at any one time. So if anything, I expect to get complaints about too much content and can't get to everything. So we'll record as much as we can and people can watch it afterwards. Yeah, eHealth New South Wales, who are our key partner for the event, they've got an entire track that they're running themselves, which has a lot of good content. And also the Digital Health CRC has a track as well that they've filled with content, as well as the community and what um, everyone else had sort of put submissions in to speak. So it's going to be a big couple of days, a nice way to sort of round out the year, I think, in our digital health journeys.
0: Absolutely. You just reminded me, I get sidetracked easily. You said rounding out the year. I'm going to take this opportunity and try and find a spoiler alert here. Something I look forward to every year. When I think of Christmas, I think of the AIDH's end of year video. What can you tell me? <laughs> are there any spoilers you can give me? I mean, each it's got to get bigger and better.
1: It's really hard. Yeah. Like they are our most popular videos on YouTube, <laughs> our Christmas videos. <laughs> it started with the mannequin challenge, I think, and then we've done all sorts oh, of things. Yeah. Last year was Squid Game, and I must admit I was the one pushing for Squid Game, and I had a lot of pushback on that. People were really worried because you know it's such a violent TV show. Sure. But, of course, we there was no blood. I refused to allow tomato sauce <laughs> to <laughs> props to be used. But that was a lot of fun. This year, I can't tell you. i will have to wait and see, but I can say okay. it's based okay. on the theme has been decided. It's been voted on by all the staff here, and it's based on a reality TV show. There's a hint, but I've left it pretty wide open, I know. All
0: right. My mind is racing thinking about that <laughs> one. So we'll keep an eye out. But hey, and actually that kinda ties into the other cause you mentioned the some of the content at the summit's gonna be about school students and getting school students involved in thinking about digital health. And this is something I think about too, because I often get asked, you know, is transformation in healthcare, because it's so commonly tied to adoption by people utilising technology or making decisions, some might think that the shift towards transformation in healthcare might come from the next generation of clinicians that come through. I think that partly true that we're going to see that. That's going to be really interesting. But, you know, we have also seen a lot of transformation in the last couple of years, driven somewhat by the pandemic. So the role that the new generation of clinicians play, and and you've seen, you know, you've been in the role for a while and been in this industry for a long time. You've seen new clinicians come through. How important is it, you know, engaging those at the early stages in thinking about digital health?
1: It's a great question, Peter, because it's critically important. I was in my mid to late 20s when I started getting involved and I used to be the youngest person in the room and that is no longer the case which is fantastic but I still don't see as many 20-somethings that I'd like to see and a lot of them especially the clinically trained people it's healthcare is not what they expected, you know, like a lot of them, especially like doctors, a lot of them had wanted to be doctors for a really long time, and then they get out into the hospital, you know, and like some facilities still don't even have Wi-Fi connectivity. <laughs> so, and the, you know, that generation, I at least remember the time before the internet. I was quite young, but I do remember. You know, I did have a job before the internet started. I think I started working like a year before the internet became a thing. So I have a recollection of how we used to do. But of course, the new generation, like that don't even hardly remember. Remember the world before social media, let alone the internet, which started before they were born. It's so critical that the reason I'm concerned about two things. So, what I see are people, especially doctors, seems to be more than others, but it's happening in other clinical professions as well, where people decide to leave their clinical profession behind to pursue a career in digital health solely because they think they don't have other options or they don't feel that they can be the change that they want to see in a standard clinical role. So they want to go do something else. And look, if they're really passionate and you know really don't want to be a clinician, then of course, that's great. But too many of them, it's not. They just feel like they need to make a choice. And that's concerning. And the other thing that, I'll give you an example. A young doctor came into my office a few years back to interview me for something she was doing. Anyway, and she got out a piece of Paper, like a notepad and a pen. And after a while, I got so really distracted by it. And I was like, I'm sorry, like, you're like half my age. Why are you using a paper and pen? Like, <laughs> like, I don't even, like, I never have a pen on me. I'm hopeless. I have electronic everything. And I was so glad I asked. And I've often thought about this story because she said the reason being is that when she was learning, you know, you go on your ward rounds as a junior clinician and as a student, and some hospitals, you would get disciplinary action against you. If you got out your phone, there was this culture thing. If you get out your phone from your lab coat, everyone thinks you're just cruising around on Facebook. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, and so the, she had developed a habit to she not use her phone and just take notes the old fashioned way. And I think stories like that, I think they're becoming less common, which is great, but they're still the, the current generation of the workforce. So we have to do a lot better at inducting people into the workforce and not just thinking that, well, just because we've done it this way for 50 years, we have to keep doing it the same way. Because what concerned me, it wasn't so much the note-taking, it was like, well, how much of her behaviour does she feel that she has to modify to fit how it's always been done? And that's not going to help anyone in this progression and making a healthcare system better quality for customer service, particularly if we don't allow younger clinicians to actually help us to change our minds and to do things differently in healthcare. Yeah, it is really important to engage them, but we need to be able to mentor those people and to give them structures to support them and give them room to grow, not just beat them into submission. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but when you talk to them, sometimes it feels that way and that's alarming.
0: Yeah. There's something about that too, across generations, but also across disciplines too. So, and I think that by taking that a more collaborative approach to take what's good from each area, as you say, you know, at the start of the conversation, there's there's been a big drive in allied health coming through and having an interest there and, you know, not just in the hospital space or in the, the pure data side, but clinicians that are just touching digital health in different ways there's something that everyone can learn from everyone and hopefully lift as a broader industry and that yeah exactly yeah we've got the summit coming up and that's going to be taking a lot of the bandwidth and time and thinking up until that point so after the summit and hopefully get a little bit of time to breathe what's on your priority list and on the horizon for ARDH what can we look forward to Scene.
1: yes so there's a board election happening right now I've just never seen there's always a lot of interest in the few board positions that come up every year I can't I actually can't remember how many there's like over 30 or something like there's an insane amount of people keep an eye out for that uh, for those of you who are members and make sure you vote and then there's also we had an expression of interest for to set up new groups that we've never had before called expert advisory groups. Like there's only about, you know, there's less than 30 spots on those groups. And we had over 150 people submit expressions of interest to be on them. So unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be disappointed. But even if you don't make it on the group, the reason we're setting up those is what the workforce work that we're doing at a national level. And, you know, we're working with federal and state governments, working with the Digital Health Agency and the CRC. We're working with clinical college. Like that's a massive piece of work. Well, there's lots of components to it. That's going to continue throughout next year. But something next year that that people will see from us that they haven't seen before is a real focus on leadership advocacy policy work. So we formed these expert advisory groups to actually help us work out what should we be doing to shift the dial on healthcare. So we might not be able to resolve everything, especially in the next 12 months, but what can we do that will be meaningful and valuable and actually help to shift the dial towards where we want to get to? And that's across those three themes that I, I mentioned earlier that we're covering at the conference. So what do we need to do about changing the business models of healthcare to advance the digital health workforce and the role for the digital health community in building trust and confidence in health and data So there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out about that in the next 12 months as well, which we're really excited about. Very
0: cool. Very cool. Can't wait for that. And lastly then, so we've got, you know, a good amount of people listening to the show and they might look at the the website and go, oh, look, I I know that our company is a member of the AIDH, but she's I'd love to be able to get more value out of it. If you're, a, you know, working within an organisation, you might already be a member, but you're thinking, how do we get the most out of this membership? Some of the things they should be doing as an individual working within these groups, is there things they can do?
1: Yeah, I think the engagement is really important. So making time to come along to the state branch events. I think there's only a couple of states that we don't have a presence in. Well, we do, but we don't have organised meetings because when we've talked to everyone like in the NT, they go, yeah, well, we all know each other anyway. <laughs> we all know <laughs> together so it's like okay fair enough then let us know if you do want any support to organize our get together but anyway, so you know, getting together and seeing people in person is so nice that we can do that again. Our conference is all still very covid friendly, so we have you know, covid against covid, sorry. Not covid friendly, we don't like covid.
0: But you know, I, know, I knew what you meant though. I knew what you meant.
1: <laughs> I, I was hoping people would know what I meant, but I thought oh, I should clarify that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, there's masks and vaccines and uh, all that sort of stuff and testing to make sure that we keep people safe because so many people that come along to our conferences go back to work in a hospital and they've just come off the shop floor, so It's really important we do everything we can as a community to keep those guys safe. But anyways, as well as ourselves, get together with people in your local branches, come along to the events. We also still run virtual events if physically getting somewhere is just too hard for you. Pay attention to our YouTube video. It comes out for Christmas. (laughs) Um, But no, and in terms of getting value as an organisation, if you're not sure whether your company is or they're not or you think, oh, we do, but we're not really sure how to get value, yeah, again, contact my office. I have someone employed full-time. Whose job it is to work with organisations and to help make sure that people get the most out of it. And we're establishing a whole bunch of new services and features that'll come out in the next 12 months as well to actually create those packages that organisations, whether you're a startup, or a government department, or a technology firm of any size, you know, we want to make sure that it's valuable. So, And we also want to also hear from our members about what to, what would they like. We try to be good listeners and to create opportunities and experiences that people really value. So always looking for feedback. And it's actually one of the other things that's worth touching on is next year, I forgot to mention this earlier, is where we run won the rights to host the world's largest digital health and informatics conference. It's called MedInfo. I bid on that and uh, back in 2017, I think it was, and we won. Uh, yeah, I know. And we were supposed to hold it in 2021, but of course, the pandemic had uh, other plans. And so I had to negotiate with the international community in Taiwan, wow. who had already, by the time the pandemic around, had won the next bid after us. So anyway, so short story is that Medinfo, this global community, is coming to Sydney in July next year. It's a great opportunity to physically not just come to an event and learn more and, and you know, catch up with people, but to actually do that and be part of the international movement on this stuff. I would encourage anyone who's listening again, whether you're a startup, a clinician, a healthcare executive, If you listen to Talking Health Tech, like all of your listeners will have a story that's worth telling. And this call for speakers is currently open for that conference. So apply. I think it's due towards the end of November, mid to late November. And medinfo2023.org is where you'll find all the info. But anyway, that's worth coming on to because you get to not just be on stage and tell your story or share your experiences with a local audience, but with an international one, which can create all sorts of Opportunities for your business, for your research, whatever it might be. So yeah, that's another good thing to pay attention to and, and have a look at that.
0: Indeed. Look, we'll put the details in the show notes of this episode and those links for applying for speakers for MedInfo. I've made a note for myself to put a
1: note down. Yes, Peter, too, we want to hear from that's, you. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's on there too. But no, look, it's such a great community to be a part of for those that might already be amongst it and and use this as a refresher to say, how can I get amongst it more? I can certainly say, you know, every quarter when it comes around to the state meetups and you. South Wales. I'm always excited to come out to EY there and catch up with everyone. And like you say, familiar faces, we all work with each other within the industry, but nice to be brought together under that banner and some great The last session at the meetup in New South Wales was great. We had a session from RPA Virtual and Zoran was there as well. So, you know, quality speak for those sessions too. So make sure you get amongst it and check it out because there's something for everyone, like you say, not just in the hospital healthcare side, but for a lot of startups, you can get some value there. So the details are in the show notes of this episode. Come along to the Digital Health Summit in Sydney on the 17th and 18th of October. Louise, I look forward to seeing you there and thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Peter. Can't wait to check in again. Let's not leave it again for another couple of years until we have a chat here. I'd love that. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player, and it should just take you straight there. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.